Inside Cigar Salon. I'm Mr. Christopher. I'm Graylin Thornton. I'm Ray Spannon. I'm the Cigar Pig. And I'm Dirk Daner. And we are live in Palm Springs during Palm Springs Leather Pride at the Tool Shed. And I love having a live audience. This is very, very fun. Also, we can't do the show without Pup Amp, who's behind the camera, making sure we're on track and keeping everything going and on topic. Okay, and okay, I'm, okay. I'm already running Keep going. long. Keep going. I'm already <laughs> running. <laughs> and today we are with Dirk Daner, president and co-founder of the Palm of Finland Foundation. Thank you for being with us. And we just wanted to do a deep dive into the Tama Finland Foundation, go through its history a little bit, and how it has shaped our leather culture and community up tonight. You, can you tell us a little bit about the foundation? Well, we started in 1984, and it was uh, the plan was that we needed an archive for Tom's, uh, all of his negatives and prints and, and memorabilia, and so, uh, I mean, really where it happened was that I, uh, I saw his drawing on a poster for a motorcycle run in when I was living in New York in 1976, and it just pulled me into it. Mm -hmm. And I uh, didn't know why, and, uh, but I took it off the wall and I rolled it up and put it in my jacket. And uh, the next day I had the, uh, uh, opportunity to meet another artist whose name was Etienne and Dom or Judas from the uh, Chicago area and he was doing a residency at Target Studios there in New York and I had a photo shoot with Target and I pulled it out and I said do you know who this artist is and he went yeah that's Tom of Finland well I had never heard of him Mm. I was 26, I grew up in Canada, and uh, we just didn't have uh, much of that material. And so he says, do you like it? And I said, I do, but it had an effect on me that I was not uh, uh, ready for. And uh, he says, well, I have his address if you want to write him. And so I wrote him a letter, and we became pen pals. And, uh, and then I left New York and came out to L.A., and he wrote me again and said he was going to come for his first trip to America and he was going to be in LA and San Francisco. And I said, well, let me host you and, uh, and I'll get to know him. And so that's what I did. Yeah, that was the beginning. How, was, right. how was it meeting him for the first time? Well, it was interesting reading the letter that he wrote to one of his best friends because we have an archive, so we have lots of letters. And he said, uh, my host was great. He's really a, a, an upbeat kind of guy, but I swear he's not going to survive because he always wants to go out to the bars and take, go to the bathhouses and bring me with him. And, uh, and so uh, he, I gave him a run for his uh, money, I guess. And, but he was much older than me. Huh? Yeah. He was uh, 58 when I met him, wow. and I was like 27. You were well, that's ancient. Young chicken. Yes. <laughs> Just the way it is now. Yeah. yeah. So we, what we did is, when I uh, got to be by his side and, and uh, in public places, like if he was here, uh, and uh, people would like to shake his hand and, and maybe get a signature from him, like there were sizable lines. And, uh, and the guys were really patient. And, uh, and what they wanted to do is they wanted to thank him for, uh, for being there for them in that 
they felt that who they were as young men was a result of seeing his art and them feeling empowered and uh, and feeling sex positive and uh, and being proud of being a homosexual. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what Tom really did is he took from the straight culture the manly type guy, okay. which we were never given or are allowed to use or identify with because we were classified as some kind of oddity between male and female. Yeah, like fairies and, and yes. Nellie was a Yeah, Nellie was for sure. And, Fruits. Uh, and it's yeah. interesting, I mean, you label somebody and uh, they will probably end up manifesting whatever that label is. So he was drawing the hyper-masculine. He was doing that, yes. Yeah. He was over, uh, and he was making them very sex positive and also not ashamed. Uh, he was drawing them in sunlight and parks. And uh, and so this was a whole brand new kind of reality. Taking for, a fetish outside into the Yeah, the I mean, he. we have paint drawings of him where uh, uh, this crowd would really uh, appreciate in that there's two guys tied up together in a public park on a Sunday afternoon, probably, and uh, they're getting whipped, uh, uh, each getting whipped uh, by uh, different tops, and uh, it looks like they're playing uh, tetherball or something like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's so, it has a normality to it uh, that uh, is, uh, and what he was trying to do was to, uh, well, we have some quotes from him where he said, I think that, you know, gay people should uh, be able to be happy and to be uh, and love whoever they want to love. And so uh, right to the end of that is that in his 60s, he was Finnish. And so he was shy, uh, shy in the sense. No, not shy. He wasn't shy. He was humble. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Finns are very humble there. In fact, it's not looked upon very well if you brag. Right. And, uh, you know, so uh, he never really said anything until he was in his mid-60s and he was lecturing. And he said, well, I now am an old man and I can actually look back on my life and realize right from the beginning, I wanted to intend to see if I could change or make a difference. Mm -hmm in the way that uh, we uh, thought about ourselves. Yeah. And so, uh, and he sort of was, he was proud that he gave a contribution and it somehow worked. Well, you know, they're thinking about him being Finnish and um, where he came from. What do you think were his influences when he first started drawing, looking at the time period and where he was? Well, farm laborers were for sure. In fact, we have a, an artist, uh, 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 a PhD uh, intern right now, who actually, uh, his grandfather owned the land where uh, the schoolhouse used to be, where Tom went to school. Hmm. And, uh, and so he wanted to come and get a bigger footprint on uh, his life in America. And so uh, Tom used to go and hide and, and watch uh, the laborers in the fields uh, cutting the hay and everything. And uh, he would uh, fantasize about them. And uh, he, he got a, a pair of rubber boots when he was like six or seven. And, uh, and he took them to bed with him. 
and his mother uh, would have to like uh, once he was asleep she'd go boots. and take them out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but he wanted those boots in bed with him wow. yeah. so he loved boots a lot and he you know it's interesting he used the word fetish when I actually did not like the word myself mm. uh, I found it to be uh, I don't know just too uh, too outside of the realm of something and uh, but he was using it way early before we were using it as a social vernacular yeah, yeah for sure he was doing the uniform fetish yes and that was what was so big in his drawings and has kind of shaped our leather culture yes to what it is today yeah so it it's interesting how uh, at one point in 1952 or 53, he changed everything uh, into black leather. And uh, so he was drawing men in uniform wearing uh, uh, linen or, or wool uh, uniforms or brown leather, uh, which were, was the, the color for working class uh, fishermen and, and loggers and that. And, uh, but he saw that Marlon Brando photograph. Uh, uh, so popular, you know, the yeah. wild one. Yeah. And it just clicked in his head, and he just took the officer's uniform cap and turned it into a, a black leather a motorcycle cap. And uh, and he never wanted to actually uh, say, I'm responsible for that. Because really the way it works is that it's, it's this chemistry between his fans, him, and other artists because everybody was contributing to, uh, to what made black leather and the culture that came around it. And so he felt it was a, a communal type of experience and a phenomenon. Hmm. I'm curious, we keep using fetish, uh, which a lot of people will use to, like for both fetish and kink, they'll, they'll confuse the two words. How would you guys define fetish and kink? Well, I feel like I'm normal. So, <laughs> what do you mean by normal? Dateable. <laughs> so the thing is that uh, all of the activities that uh, that get classified into those uh, words, um, I feel very natural and inclined to participate in. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I think that the turn on is the words. Yeah. The words kink gets you aroused and fetish gets you feeling good. And uh, I remember looking in a dictionary um, on, uh, uh, I don't know if it was fetish, it had to do with uh, uh, being turned on by leather. And I went to a uh, dictionary in a used bookstore and uh, I didn't like what it said. It said, uh, I was, you know, I was like uh, 12. And wait, wait, wait. You went to look up fetish when you were 12? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, no, I, I know fetish was used, the word was used in a description of someone who actually requires to have leather uh, with them uh, to have really sex. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so back then it was a psychological aberration. And, uh, and I didn't like that. So uh, I shared it with a friend of mine who was a little bit older, and he said, forget it. You know, if you're not hurting somebody else's life, you know, what business is it 
is it of theirs, you know? Well, and that was, I was just developing. So it was good, good yeah. lesson for me to hear. I mean, you started pretty early. I did. <laughs> I did. Okay. You know, I'm working on another project right now. And as part of the project, we're interviewing kinky people from all over the world. And one of the questions we ask is, what, how do you define kink? Not one of those people has defined it the exact same way. Right. Not one. So it kind of is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was in the city in New York in 76 as well. And so it's funny to hear you say that. But, you know, I think the term fetish kink, I think we have kind of co-opted it like we did co-opt the term queer and made it far more acceptable because you're right. Porn back then, people have no idea. In the mid 70s, porn and any kind of erotic art was so different than it is well, it was today. illegal. You couldn't even send it in the mail. Exactly. If you got caught, that was a federal offense. Well, that's exactly. And you know, Tom of Finland, I had friends who were going to FIT in the city at the time, Fashion Institute of Technology, who were artists. And when I first saw Tom of Finland stuff, they were like, you know, this really isn't porn. This guy is an artist. This is like really skilled work. And I was just looking at it, you know, for the, the sexual arousal, arousal of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's interesting you say that because in the 70s, I he, mean, he was a stunning artist. Well, he was. Well, John Lennon was deported for line drawings. Remember that in the 70s. So it was such a different world. So they had it and it went on. Uh, there was something called the Mies Commission. Oh, God. And uh, so America has not been uh, an easy place to actually be in the erotic arts or in adult uh, industries because depending on who's in power in Washington, uh, they either try to drum up uh, uh, attention by finding ways to uh, break down and close down uh, companies that are producing adult material. Right. Even though adult material runs the internet, I mean, it's, it is interesting. We're a very psychotic uh, uh, population. Right. Which is why it's really important to have a foundation that preserves this legacy. Yes. God, it's great you remember the Mies Commission. Remember the conclusion of those wonderful people were, we know pornography when we see it. Remember the whole thing was to define what's pornography. Yes. And it was just complete nonsense what they did. You know, I remember that one of their uh, uh, people that they arrested uh, for selling uh, his videotapes, it was, he was taking a garden hose out in his backyard and shoving it up his ass and uh, doing like a colonic. And uh, I saw that on Twitter last week. Who's <laughs> <laughs> done that? <laughs> so they busted him on federal uh, violations because he sent it across state, state lines. lines. Oh. Yeah. Well, remember, I have to say, you know, Tom of Finland really was a lot of the inspiration for Maplethorpe. Yes. You know, Robert Maplethorpe did the um, whipping his ass. And then, and then the Piss Jesus out in the Brooklyn Art. Remember, the Brooklyn Art Museum had Piss Jesus yes. like in 77, 78. He was 100, well, not 100%, but a lot inspired by Tom Finland. Pretend people don't know who Rob Maplethorpe is. Can you explain who that is, please? Robert Maplethorpe was a queer photographer in the 70s who actually, I mean, he's now, I mean, all of his photos are so famous. Yeah. And he did it all with a Polaroid. He, all of his photographs were originally taken with a Polaroid camera. He did a lot of work with black and white men, in black and white. Right. Yeah. I want to say something about Tom and, uh, and uh, pro, you know, the kind of prohibition. Okay. Because in uh, 
so it wasn't legal to be homosexual in Finland until 1971. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he was so careful with his fans who would send him requests for prints that an airplane envelope is about this size. And so the prints had to fit inside that size of envelope or otherwise customs from different countries would open them. Yeah. And he did not want to get his, uh, his fans in trouble nor did he want to get himself in trouble. So he had to, in his own apartment, make these prints, uh, you know, develop them and everything. He had little catalogs that had maybe 20 pictures on that size of, uh, wow. of, of a print form format. And uh, he destroyed their addresses and their names. And all he kept was the canceled postage stamp that came uh, with the letter. And, uh, and he, you know, even after we started the foundation, uh, you'd think that he would uh, have uh, lighted up on that. He burned all the, his letters that he received from people until the day died. Wow. So that's very time consuming. So I have a question. Did he make money? Did he make good money? No, from well, this? he made good money at the end of his life. Okay. Uh, but when he was doing this, he was doing the, what I'm just talking about uh, in the 1950s. Yeah. And uh, and artists didn't do it for money. They no. did it because they were Rarely. compulsed in their passion. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. they had to get it out into the community. But is that is that um, do people think that he was a rich man when he, he died? Is that a common? Well, I wish he was around now when yeah. uh, his work sells. Right. Oh. You know, because he would really benefit by that. Um, one little story is that he gave uh, the foundation 1,500 uh, preparatory drawings. And uh, I said to him, you could sell these. And he said, nobody would want these. And I said, just wait. And so we, he had a dealer in New York, and we shared them with him. And he had several showings, uh, and uh, Tom got revenue from that before he passed. And then, uh, we put so many of them into the permanent collection, and then we still uh, sell some of those for uh, to help underwrite the foundation's programs. Cool. You know, the the movie came out in 2017. I wasn't in it. I know you weren't. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't let them use my name because we were fighting, and uh, so they just picked another name, you know, and gave it to the character. Well, we know some people from the foundation who are in it, but we'll just let that go for right now. Who is so in it? Sharp is in it. He is, actually. That's true. I know that's he has, true. He has a cameo. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, so how did that movie come about? Actually, um, I approached them. and them uh, being? Uh, the the film company in Finland, okay. and because uh, I wanted to see uh, a, a fictional uh, adaptation of his life uh, in some form, or at least the effect of, on his uh, the society in that, and so uh, and we had we had gotten quite a bit of success in Finland. In fact, I think that the stamp had the stamp come out already. Because when we, uh, so we had to work everything in Finland and, and, and get the, the population to be receptive to, to him. Because he just had, it's closing on the 29th, I don't know what day this is, but uh, he had an exhibition at the National Gallery in Finland. And uh, 
So it's the biggest exhibition that has ever been mounted of his mm -hmm. work. I mean, it was, of course, me uh, being a bother, you know, <laughs> continually. No, never. Yes. <laughs> but uh, where I was going with this is that uh, there's this stamp. So we got the post office to do a stamp. They did a beautiful job with it, but they were not prepared for what was going to happen. So when they announced that they were going to release this stamp, they got orders from 178 different countries in the world. Yeah, and the great. volume of orders was higher than any other stamp had ever garnered in its pre-release. And, uh, and so it had a limited uh, amount that they, they weren't going to do a second printing. And so, uh, but it broke, and it broke their website too. Oh, good. That's great. I have a question circling back to the movie. How accurate was the movie? You said it's fictional, well, but you know what? what? Uh, yes. Yeah, so when you do these biopics, uh, what happens is that uh, they will sometimes take uh, characters uh, who were minor in, in one. His sister was a minor player, mm. but they wanted to appeal to a family audience, mm. and so they made her a, a, a major central. Character. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and I was there the day that Tom told her that he was going to uh, come out uh, and let uh, Finland know who uh, Tom of Finland was, is. And, uh, and he wasn't ashamed. It was her. She was begging him not to do it, that it would ruin her life and she wouldn't be able to have any friends. And, you know, she was- Well, they kind of showed that in the movie. Yeah. That she was not right. really- but he was board, but... already known around the world, and it was just in Finland they didn't know who, whether even Tama Finland was from Finland. Sure, yeah. but his time in the military, all that was true. Yes, uh, yeah. And uh, his lover. Yes, 28 years, yeah. Belly, and Belly died of throat cancer, and uh, and they were very, uh, uh, you, you could see them around town, uh, chopping together, and people would uh, notice they, oh, they knew them. No. Is there anything that you wish was in that movie that... Sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone else too. <laughs> you know, the thing about it yeah, was that he, liked, he was promoting sex, sex positive. So the thing is that, uh, and the audiences, even though it, the film is good and people like it and all of that, uh, and that's why we were fighting, oh. is that uh, they, uh, they were uh, they were afraid to make it more risque mm -hmm. and really uh, you know cutting edge and very sort of edgy the way Tom of Finland has been mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, so what do you do you fight and uh, and try to get the script to be better and in the end we improved the script and uh, and that was good and the acting was really good yeah. and the that cinematography was beautiful. It was yeah. really, really yeah. well It really was. It was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, yeah. was it? Yes. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought really important about the movie was that it had the overlay of the political risks that he was taking. Yes. And the political movement forward that I think a lot of people don't realize that at the time, people put their neck on the line over the years, you know, because think about it Absolutely. when after the Holocaust, you know, gay men were re-imprisoned the yes, second they re were let prison. Can you believe that? It, that? Well, it was illegal. Yeah. And the second they were let out of concentration camps, they were put in German prisons. I know. Yes. And so when I saw the movie, I thought, you know, 
you guys, I think Grace and Grayland and Mr. Christopher are doing political things now that people don't even realize by being proud, being out. And he started that. We're, we're not putting our neck on the line. No, well, no. <laughs> no, that's true. It's true. But in that era, I mean, he really went out on a limb yeah. to, he did. in a political way. And yet he would, if he was here, he would say, I'm not political. I don't, I don't like politics. And really what he was doing was developing young men who could then, or young developing homosexuals that would end up being our leaders uh, in the movement right. to gain uh, uh, our, our, our laws. And that is a wonderful segue to our next discussion. I just pulled a gray line. <laughs> See, the first award from our sponsors. So Leather Daddy Skin Company is a plant-based skincare line with a kinky twist. Leather, scotch, vanilla, and 18 erotic spices are bound to get the blood flowing, getting you ready to dominate your day. If you use offer code ONGUARD, you'll get 10% off your order. So thank you very much, Leather Daddy Skin Co. So the foundation not only promotes Tom's art, but it promotes art from other erotic artists around the world from the past and, and also the present. Yeah, so I have a list of artists and I'm gonna ask you about them, like your take on them. So let's start with Tank. Well, Tank actually uh, was on the rodeo circuit, gay rodeo circuit, and he was an illustrator. He, uh, he drew in uh, pencil and color pencil, and he drew cowboys. And really, uh, I would say he, he bordered on being uh, even better than Tom as far as color uh, pencil work, as far as technical ability. Um, he uh, died in the AIDS epidemic and his partner gave the foundation his archives and uh, the originals that were still uh, in his possession. Mm -hmm. And so we've been holding and showing that uh, since his death. Yeah. Uh, Etienne. Etienne, his main archives are in the Chicago leather archives. But uh, I, uh, I was fuck buddies with Etienne for 10 years or plus more. And uh, we did that back then. Maybe you're doing that now. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not currently. <laughs> and it's so, you know, it's friends would help other friends out, you know. Oh. And, uh, and I think you tell me that that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> and so Etienne was, he was the, the person that led me to Tom. And so uh, I was wonderful when Tom was visiting LA to get Etienne out there so they could physically meet. Because they, back then, they, you didn't talk on the telephone. There was no uh, uh, webcams. And so you wrote letters. And so there was a lot of time between correspondence and that. and. Even Tom, uh, so Etienne and, and Tom, they got along, they were fans of each other's work. Yeah. Oh. How about the Hun? The Hun, uh, he lived in LA and he also, uh, he would come over to the house and uh, uh, he and Tom would uh, have these art salons and only artists would come and they would each bring a piece of their art and, uh, and they would talk about their techniques and share that information amongst each other. And uh, he was, uh, if you don't know who the Han was, he's passed away now. 
he was so essential during the AIDS epidemic uh, because he was drawing uh, scenarios where there was so much body fluids mm. yeah. just going everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of fellows uh, really sort of survived the epidemic by actually focusing in on the fantasies of that. And, and I used to love the honey. He would always have a booth at IML, and I was too young to know to invest in art at the time, but now I kick myself because he had amazing drawings on that yeah. table that he was giving away for dirt cheap. Yes. <laughs> I, I wish I had some of that right now. It was really amazing work. Yeah, he drew me, and every time someone looks at that, because, you know, the hun, he, he over emphasized everything. What did he overemphasize on you? Everything. <laughs> so people will look at that drawing and they'll look at me and I'm like, oh no, that's fantasy. <laughs> so, so, let's not get too excited. <laughs> when you're a muse uh, model for an artist, mm -hmm. uh, they sort of fall in love with you. And so what happens is that they, uh, uh, they do exaggerate, but it comes from a place of passion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, if it's a good drawing or painting, it's, it's, you know, I mean, Etienne did me uh, and it was blown. Uh, he painted me at like 10 feet tall. When I entered the IML contest, I had to stand underneath it and it was very embarrassing. You know? <laughs> so you're, you're not 10 feet tall or? <laughs> okay. So um, Raylan, you're a muse, not yeah, just yeah. amusing, a muse. Oh, look who's <laughs> talking. <laughs> okay. Uh, Menorah. Menorah, uh, again, we're talking about people who are past. Uh, he, uh, Japanese born, he yep. came to LA and he uh, would attend our drawing classes that uh, we sponsored every month for people. And so they could have live male nude uh, drawing. And, uh, and then he just found a niche and the niche that he created was drawing <coughs> bears. And so he was so popular in, in, the, uh, in the community for all the husky guys. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he did, a, he made them, he was very responsible as Domino was also in bringing forth and presenting guys that are bears as really sexual, desirable objects. You know, just like Tom did with the muscular guys, mm -hmm. he did it with the bears. Is that yeah. when the bears became big? Yes, yeah. it is. You used to work for Bear yeah. Magazine. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Kerwin. Michael Kerwin, uh, he lived in New York and he ended up uh, living with us. Uh, he came out for an art fair and then he had lived in Miami. And what happened was there was a hurricane when he was out visiting and doing the art fair and his apartment was destroyed and so he had nothing to go back to. So he became sort of our first artist in residence. Mm -hmm. And he did drawings uh, with marker pen and he uh, would really, he didn't want to do the traditional handsome kind of uh, character. He wanted to get the guys from down the street and, and he did not uh, uh, restrain himself from every taboo. Uh, drawing that you could think of. And, uh, but Mark DeBosch, who's yes. still alive, uh -huh. he has, you know, uh, several uh, religious uh, paintings that he's done. Uh, well, he has, uh, uh, I think Jesus is fucking a, uh, a sheep and uh, he has uh, 
Jesus in a bathtub with everyone, all the uh, brothers pissing on him, you know, in golden showers. And uh, so that's Mark. And so we still, see, that's the thing is that we need to violate uh, the, right. the, those restrictions. We have a piece in our collection by a, an artist who uh, was emerging and we had an emerging artist competition and he won it and it's called Cocksuckers for Christ. And, uh, and it's Christ sitting on a beautiful throne of, uh, of pink triangles and embroidered and everything and, uh, and a priest rather overweight and, and balding and uh, is giving him a blowjob. Can I ask a question? Why do you think we have to violate some of those things? Because the thing about it is it somehow normalizes it and makes it uh, more, in the end, it makes it more palatable for us. And we, we shouldn't, I mean, what happened with, uh, with uh, Catholics and the priesthood uh, only came about because we actually sanctified them and we made them not penetrable. And, uh, and they, they ended up being, becoming perverted in, in, uh, in just who they were, were. They couldn't help it. Well, they let power get to their head because we gave it to them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So one more, Marcello Lupetti. Marcello uh, was living in LA. He also passed away. We've done all artists mostly who passed away. I have some others. Okay. <laughs> uh, and he was a sculptor and he made beautiful marble penises and, uh, and low hanging balls. And, uh, and he, uh, he was just the gentlest person you could ever imagine. But his backstory was that when he was 18, he was living in Argentina and he got kidnapped by the Argentinian death squad, the death police. And they tied his hands behind his back and they blindfolded him. Not for a day, not for a month, for six months. And he had to eat with his mouth and shit in his pants and be called a number. And, uh, he made a sculpture which we own, uh, and it is a man with his torso inside of a rock, and it's written on the other side of it. It says, he who only stands and waits also serves. Milton, 1610. And so I think it's my prerogative to actually uh, interpret that, uh, not that he told me it, but I think that the way that he survived that ordeal was he never gave up. He knew, he knew that if he died, he would just be a statistic. But if he lived, he would be something more. And so that gave him the willpower to not give up. Because can, I can't imagine no. doing that. But see, that's the power of art. When artists push all of these things that we believe are these arbitrary boundaries that they've put in place, when the reality of what a lot of people are doing is far worse, like what they did to him. Yes. And that's why when people, for me at least personally, when they criticize artists or even performance artists who do outrageous things like happened at Folsom this year, you know, I applaud them because they are the ones who are actually doing things that are far less than what's happening by sanctioned society. Yes. And that's what Tama Finland did as well. Yes. That, that relates to what I want to ask. And you've preserved these artists from the past, these erotic artists. But why is it important for the Tama Finland Foundation to do that and also preserve the artists at the present? What does it give the community to preserve and foster these artists? Well, 
who actually uh, takes advantage of us in a good way is young people. Yeah. So young people come to the foundation and they actually, uh, they do, uh, they just spend uh, time in our libraries, uh, they uh, attend functions. And so we have three artists in residence that at the time, present time, and they're from, the, the three that are here right now, one is from Bangkok, one is from New York, and the other one is from, where? Uh, is from, ah, Paris. And, uh, and they, they're thriving because they're so hungry to, uh, to, to explore what these artists did in the past. Mm -hmm. Which brings me around to the whole subject of like, what's going on with our community is that we have to save it. We, I mean, we think yeah. that somebody else will do it, but uh, that's not the case. Right. Is that if we don't take care of it, uh, because the Tama Finland Foundation, we've been around for 40 years, but do you think that we're easy for grants? No. In that uh, grant uh, offering uh, establishments are very scared of, of going to places where it's too radical and it's too... Uh, Sexual. Yes. Yeah. And that's because of going back to the way this culture is. Right. You know? And so it depends on you guys. And uh, if you don't support us, uh, we're going to go away because uh, we've been able to hang on and uh, and we the thing is it's more alive now than I think it's ever been. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, that's yeah. why it's so important for a foundation like this is is preserving the history. We get that a lot with this show as we talk about the history of where we came from because the young people coming up, no one is teaching them. They don't hear this in schools. So this is not something they would even know to look for. So Which, how do you get that message out to them? Yes. Well, the thing is the young people, they are finding us. What uh, is not happening is that uh, middle age and the elders of our tribe, uh, they do come, uh, but they, you know what happens is that we think of sexuality as something, well, I'm past that point now. So- Are you talking to you? Or? I could do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens is that uh, you don't think about leaving your legacy or leaving uh, assets to, uh, to a, a foundation. I mean, we had to take the back of the bus through the whole AIDS epidemic, and then we had to deal with uh, the other uh, things because what, what we haven't done as a tribe is we, I mean, the leather archives, and this is interesting, it's the leather archives, the Leslie Loman Foundation and the Tama Finland Foundation, they all happened around the same time. Mm -hmm. And what that tells us is that at that point was when our culture, our society decided, you know what, we deserve more than we're getting. That's right. And so we opened up gay galleries because they would right. show our art. And so we opened up our own galleries and we raised the prices of our own, uh, on our own artists so that they could uh, uh, receive more financial benefit from what they were doing. Absolutely. Question then, what's it gonna take for kids these days nowadays to get involved then? Because you guys had some pretty important things happen to you guys as a, as a community. You had to fight off not only terrible politics, but in diseases. I mean, we're already kind of in the shitter over here politically and everywhere else. Like, what, what's it gonna take then for us well, to get our butts out of seats? What it takes is it takes 
people stepping up and, and real, I mean, I think that there's a responsibility that, and I call elders, that means anybody who's uh, actually uh, uh, dating, uh, no. <laughs> but there, but I think, the I think, of what? I think that Palm Springs is a good example of, of uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if how many of you are from here, but uh, it's an amazing document of uh, how we didn't want to give up our lives. And we were finding that the cities that we were inhabiting uh, were becoming more uh, less attractive to our eye because things like cruising and, and, uh, and leather community were disappearing. Yeah. And so uh, they, Palm Springs became an enclave. And, uh, and it's still developing, and so it just needs to be seeded with more younger people. Right. Well, speaking of younger people, I mean, there are some younger artists like Axel. Axel actually is, that's sort of a, a not a great story. I mean, he's, he's no, no. well, uh, he hasn't uh, really worked on his art because relationships sometimes are beneficial to an artist and sometimes not. And so it, uh, because being an artist is a very solitary experience. And so you have to be willing to actually uh, let them be on their own a lot. And so you don't get to have as much uh, together time. Yeah. But there are lots of young artists that are actually, I mean, our contests that we uh, promote uh, internationally, they're getting more and more uh, contestants entering them. We'll talk about the contest what a little bit contest? more. Yeah. Well, it, we've been doing it for a long time, every other year, and it's the Emerging Artist Competition. And what it's designed for is to get young artists that are not professional in, in erotic art yet, and for them to be evaluated by really prestigious judges. Uh, and so this afternoon, uh, I think Gus Van Sant has been a judge Oh. So we're going to be honoring uh, Gus Van Sant today uh, as a cultural icon and Tom Bianchi uh, as uh, Artist Hall of Fame. That's great. And uh, so at 3.30, they're going to be here. Um, but where I'm going with this is that uh, it's really impressive to a young person who's from some Botan kind of little town somewhere in the, in the world and that their work is being evaluated by people of renown, you know? So we're doing young artists. So right now I see young artists all the time putting their art up on Twitter for yes. free. Yes. And it's just being shared and taken yes. and yes. used everywhere. And oftentimes their name doesn't get connected. No, once it's, on, once it's on the internet, it's yes. nobody <laughs> even knows who did it. But right. they don't know what else, how <laughs> else to actually. So what should they do? Well, you know, can I, you yeah. mentioned the artist salon. Yes. And can I say something? We developed this salon, a bunch of old guys sitting around talking about meaningful things from the past. Yeah. And amp to your question, I think if groups of younger guys get together and think, okay, this isn't just a social thing, we're gonna do something, you know, energy emerges from that. Yes. And when you say, because the, the old concept of salon from, I don't know, the beginning of time, the Romans, is what most important things have spawned from. So I would suggest young people, when you get together, what you're saying and doing is important. Give it energy. Thank you. I mean, that, I will take that. <laughs> <laughs> Told you he was you a smart person. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, you, you brought up the, um, the residency program. Yes. And I know that you pushed 
hard to get more BIPOC people into that program. And some of the artists that you have right there, you have Felix there and I was, yes. I was just there looking at some of his work, you wanna? So Felix is from Mexico and he relates uh, as a non-binary person mm -hmm. and uh, his work, uh, he, he actually has been damaged a lot uh, by the internet being kicking him off of platforms. Uh, and so he's had to find other ways to actually bring, bring more uh, attractive situations so that he can sell his art because he lives on it. And uh, uh, he actually really loves to do queer, what he loves to do is queer identities that, uh, that tell from historical uh, places. I, I'm of an age where uh, I miss uh, a lot of the previous times because uh, when I was a young guy, uh, I really felt like we were creating our, yeah, our own work. culture. I mean, the whole thing of flagging, uh, flagging, but also flagging as far as handkerchiefs was all being created right then. And uh, uh, the way we were cruising, I mean, uh, Castro and, uh, and Folsom, I mean, we've never done that in that kind of uh, overtly uh, populous way before. And um, to that scale. Yes, yeah. on the scale. And it was amazing and uh, and very empowering. Oh, and, yeah. and so uh, everybody was actually feeding off of each other's energies. And, uh, and I felt, uh, and I would go to dances where I felt like it was, it was called like church. Mm -hmm. And because it was like a spiritual experience. Yeah. Oh, I've been to dancing with you and it's it's definitely a spiritual <laughs> experience. I met him years ago. He was walking by himself down Santa Monica Boulevard mm. uh, in the <laughs> middle of gay pride. And I don't know what I said to you, but I said something that- I think I'm red right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we met that way. Yeah, and I, 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 was, I was lost yeah, I and you found me. Yeah. Yeah, um, you happens. changed my life. You really did. Um, but I don't want to get emotional right now. So Why not? Why not? Because, because <laughs> I'm manly How did man. he change the life? <laughs> I want to know what he said to you. Me too, did he um, change your life why? to accept you? <sighs> He told me that he would take me, I was lost and looking for a leather contest and I was the MC. And um, he took me to the contest and told me to come find Dirk. And I hadn't any idea who you were. So I went and I found the Tom of Finland booth and I walked up and I said, I'm looking for Dirk. And you know that moment in a movie when everything stops and people stare at you like, like you don't belong? <laughs> It was one of those moments and they said, what do you want with him? And I said, he, he told me to come here and you came out and you just, God damn it, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and he what? You made me feel so special and wanted. And then I said to you, I want you to be my mentor. And you said, I'm not gonna be your goddamn mentor. <laughs> Like That's such it a was, sweet story. It was, it was because he became my mentor. And I remember the first time you said that to me, that I'm your mentor and you've been there ever since. And I don't want to go down that road. But you went down that road. Thank I've you. went down that road because you do that. That was a lovely story. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were talking a little bit about the erotic artist program or the uh, emerging artist program yes. and residency. What impact do you think the artist in residency program has on young artists? Well, you know, the uh, 
this is, it's, we're not just normal people. We're magical people. We're, we're the gifts in a way. And, uh, and because we, we grew up differently, whatever, whatever, we're, our DNA is different, I don't know. But uh, I know that we're special and that, uh, and so what happens is you, you have this house that's getting all of this energy year after year and people are coming there on tours and people are contributing themselves. And so what happens is it, it has a magical experience. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and it, it makes, what happens is people feel free when they come there. And so that's what's happening with Don yeah. is that uh, he's feeling the experience of space and, uh, and freedom and being with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. like, like the salon. Yeah. 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 Like minded people getting together and doing something important. Yeah. And you said you said that, you know, the artists of yesteryear were the same way, that they were all friends and yep. got along. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's it's uh I mean we've had artists in from residency from all over. I mean uh uh Shanghai, Bangkok, wow. uh and uh, and they all they all end up being amazing individuals, and they uh, they they give us gifts. I mean, they're our, they're like our shaman, and that yeah. they paint or draw or sculpt, and those pieces of art become like icons to us. Because when we walk by them, if we purchase them, if we nurture the artists, what happens is we hang it, we put it in our homes, and. It empowers us. Yeah. It makes us. It validates who we are as a as a culture, as a tribe, and so uh, they're very important. Yeah. It makes you feel something, especially yeah. in your pants. It's gonna make you yes. feel. Yes, and you know that's the thing is that sexuality is inherently part of our our uh, description of who we are. Yeah. Right. You know, you can't you can't remove sexuality and sexuality doesn't have to do with how many times you're having sex. It has to do with how you are in your own body. Right. How do we celebrate that then when we have so many Internet platforms and things that will just, as you said earlier, deplatform artists who are doing nothing wrong except being themselves. I acknowledge somebody on the Internet today because what he wrote as his slogan was he was looking for pigs for world domination. <laughs> I love it. And I acknowledged Tim and said, I love it. And that what better way than something that comes to us naturally, being pigs. You know, we, we talked about Tom influencing the iconography of the leather yes. scene. And so now we're talking about younger artists. What kinds of iconography are you seeing that younger artists are creating that are going to influence the kinky men of the future? Well, it, it's it's altered, it's changed, it's transforming. It's uh, uh, illust uh, illustration uh, became the whole uh, Japanese influence uh, of illustration uh, and cartoon types of characters have become comic book kinds of characters. They're very popular amongst uh, gay uh, queer artists uh, presently and they uh, identify with them and they connect uh, in a way that uh, it's, it's like, you know, when you read comics, if you're into that. And so that's one of the ways that they express. They also express uh, in ways that uh, are, we had 
one artist from Portugal who actually, no, he was from, from Barcelona, pardon me, this last year, and he built this magnificent paper mache boot black stand. And it oh, had okay. all sorts of faces in it, uh, and it was 10 feet across, and, uh, and he, uh, he went and studied Tom, the Hun, Olaf, and an, another artist, and he reinterprets. So that's what they do. They come there, they digest things. They don't try to copy. What they do is they re-express, and, uh, and that's original to them. And that's who our culture is. That's who we need to support. Tell us yeah. a little bit about the house, because we keep saying they come to the it house. It needs repair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually, you know, I have, uh, yeah, I've run uh, the foundation and those who have been with me and with our board uh, uh, for years on a shoestring uh, uh, budget. And to be honest, is that what we need to do is replace the wiring. Well, I mean, the other parts of the house. I mean, not the wiring, but, you know, Tom's room is there. Yes, no, actually, I mean, it's it's an amazing experience. If you come for a tour, it takes a, about an hour and a half. We give a guided tour. We tell things about the art that's hanging on the walls at that time. And you get to meet artists and residents. And Tom's room, uh, actually, we're, we're going to try to do something to raise money tomorrow at uh, a private party and uh, we're going to see who is the highest bidder for two nights stay in the Tom house and they get to sleep in Tom's bed. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if for those of you who've never been there, Tom's room is still set up as Tom's room. Yeah, all of his uh, clothes and table and yeah, all of that is still uh, as it was uh, 30 years ago when he was uh, still drawing there. And uh, how about the backyard, the terraces? and Well, we that? call it the pleasure park. And it looks really cool at nighttime when it's dim light. So uh, there's lots of trails uh, and, uh, and ways to uh, meander along. And uh, so, uh, and it's, a, you know, this is a good thing for, for me to bring up. And that is that the garden is called the pleasure park and it's honoring the gardener and landscaper who developed it for us. And his name was Carrington Galen. And he died about seven years ago. And he, uh, he prior five years, he was working on the garden. And so when he had a terminal case of cancer, we invited him to die in the garden. Oh, and uh, and so know. we just waited for that day to come and uh, but we were prepared we had the sign made so he could see that it was dedicated to him and uh and we got a rug and a beautiful bed and lamps and everything and he got to be with his family and his husband and then uh since it's legal in california uh we were able to get from his doctor medical patches that you could put on the chest and then your body absorbs uh, the drug and it just puts you to sleep, and then you finally, uh, your heart stops a few hours later. And, uh, and that's what happened with Carr. And uh, so my next autobiography is uh, being the director of the Departure Lounge. 
<laughs> and I feel like uh, we all have to depart, and so why don't we actually see if we can arrange our departure in a fashion that is more appealing to our lives. Yes. So this is the 40th, 40th anniversary. Yeah, next year is our 40th. We've actually, you know, a lot of nonprofits went under. Uh, because they just, uh, during uh, COVID or, or the uh, inflation things, we've been able to survive. And, uh, but we'd love to be, uh, to what we do locally, and we, we did an a art and culture festival in Berlin this year, and one in London. And uh, what we wanna do, and we do exhibitions. We have an exhibition in Europe that's called All Together, and it was underwritten uh, and that's what made it possible by Diesel. And, uh, and what we did is have, we have 80 artists from our permanent collection. Some of them have been resident artists. Some of them are from the 40s. And they, uh, they actually, we put it all together. Mm -hmm. And that it gets, it's been in Venice and in Paris and it's waiting for its next stop uh, and where that'll be in Europe, we're not sure yet. It looks like it's gonna be in England. And, uh, and that's what it is. It's all together. You know, it's about us as a culture, as a tribe, being all together. Well, you know, you, you've made it very clear that the foundation is for everyone. I think that was part of yes. Tom's, Tom's vision as yes. well. Yeah, we couldn't, you know, the thing is that how can you say no to, to artists? You know, if they want, if they have a desire to be part, then that's the, that's the ID that you that you need is their desire, and so in regards to equality and and addressing, uh, so if you're, so we've had uh, so far we've had two uh, uh, trans people who have uh, been uh, artists in residence, and we've had several uh, people of color. But how? What are we going to do with our extending labels that we're actually adding on and adding on? We have to come up with some new words yeah. that yeah. cover. I mean, that's why we use gay. Gay for a short period of time meant lesbians and homosexuals, and mm -hmm. I mean, they're homosexuals too. Yeah. So we have to somehow, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Henry Rollins said, why didn't the, the gays, him being on the outside, get Tom of Finland to design a flag for them? Because <laughs> it have a big butt on it. <laughs> or a big so the stamp that was most popular that went to, uh, from Finland uh, was Finns sending it to Russia, and it was a butt, a Tom See, butt. Yeah, I told See, you yeah. that. Yeah. Well, for the 40th anniversary, the foundation is doing uh, memberships for $40. Yes. And, and that's a way that we can all support the foundation by being a member because it's a membership organization. How else can we support the foundation? Well, you can actually get uh, your friends to know about us and you can find out about us and, uh, and read, uh, go to our website and uh, come and make a visit. I think that's probably the most transform. I say that, gay see, I'm still on the gay thing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, uh, Me too. <laughs> but queer people deserve to go to two, well, to two places, I think. One is Berlin, because it's, some, for me, it's the most liberating city uh, that I've been to uh, in a long time. 
I don't know another city that uh, gives that kind of, uh, of a feeling. And the Tom House, because when you're when you're within the, the boundary of that property, uh, you get to feel who you are much more. It's it's like you know coming home. And uh, I I think that Palm Springs in in its way is is producing that also. And that uh, and so what we don't want to see is is we don't want to see our lives and once they're over being just nothing. So we have to somehow contribute to the longevity of our culture and and it's the essential part. So by supporting the foundation, you're supporting the continuation of who we are. Well, you know, one of my favorite memories of being at the Tom House, it was uh, New Year's a few years, well, about 10, 12 years back, and it rained and we were all trapped there for yes. a a few days, so it was, you know. A few all, days? Yes, and we were all there, and it was, you know, volunteers and artists all just staying in the house wow. for a few days and telling stories. And that's just, it's transformative yes. there. Yes, yeah, there's something magical about it. We're so, fairies, I mean, uh, we can be butch guys, but we're also fairies, and we <laughs> give out that uh, magical dust. So. You know, the foundation has brought forth many artists and one is about to be honored and we'll end with him telling us about him. It's Peter Berlin. He's about to be honored in San Francisco. Yes. So Peter Berlin is your last person. Okay, so Peter Berlin, he actually is alive, but what he did was uh, very uh, uh, breaking uh, of tradition in that he made himself his piece of art and he designed the way he looked and uh, he learned how to photograph, and then he learned how to film himself, how to develop his own film, to make his own prints, and, and really good prints. And he was a sexual icon. He made himself into that. And the only thing he didn't figure out was what he was gonna do when he got old and, uh, and was not attracted to be photographed himself. So he stopped that, and now he's actually creating work that's related to him, but, uh, but he's uh, repainting and painting on the works. And he, he really was seen in LA, San Francisco, New York, walking on the streets, look cruising, being an element of, uh, of energy. Yeah. Yeah. And so he deserves to be on it. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank okay. you, Dirk. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no, no. table over there and uh, and we have really great volunteers who are here uh, helping out with uh, so meander over there at some point and say hello great and if people want to help out the Tama Finland Foundation where can they go they can go to our website which is tamafinland.org mm -hmm. and uh, you can get a membership uh, on there at any level that you can afford and uh, you can start to look at ways that you can support us, you know, and contribute to us and tell artists about us and, you know, be their, uh, their chauffeur to, uh, to the doors of the Tom House. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, thank you. I'm going to call time on this. Okay. Uh, it's been very, very good and informative. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to follow us, please follow us. Click that bell so you can be subscribed and find out our next show. The rest of you, the audience, please stick around. We're gonna have a cigar social. 
here. Um, if you like any of our merch, we have some here if you want to buy some, or if you're at home, safewordshop.com, go check that out. And I want to thank our sponsors again, Mr. S Leather, Leather Daddy Skin Co. and Bark and Co. And thank you for having us. Oh, thank you. You're thank you for having us.